What's up, guys? Welcome to another bonus episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast. These bonus episodes kind of just come here and there. It's content that doesn't get published during the week, but just cool stuff we come up with. This one this week features another conversation with myself and my former boss, general manager, good, good friend at A Speedway, Mr. Brad Allen. Me and Brad go back and forth telling some stories from our time at A Speedway from 2010 to 2015 when he was the general manager and I was the race announcer. We go back and forth on that a little bit, uh, rehash some old stories. Most of them are <laughs> kind of stories that gave us heartburn and headache while we were at the racetrack in an administrative position. But looking back on them now, some of them are kind of funny. Some of them are just highlights of characters that we interacted with and sometimes had to deal with uh, on a Friday night basis out at a speedway. And we talk a little bit, uh, older stories at a speedway. We talk about red justice, um, uh, long time, legendary local racer in this area, especially at a speedway. And we even talk a little Todd Massey and Robert Turner. So if you're a fan of a speedway from any period of time, especially from 1990 on, you'll probably get these references. If you were at a speedway from 2010 to 2015, when me and Brad were there, you're definitely going to get some of these references, but it's about a 52, 53 minute conversation. Just me and old buddy Brad Allen sitting around telling stories, conversating, just a little bit of bench racing. And we cleaned it up as best we could for uh, this podcast. So hope you guys enjoy it. It's coming up here in just a few moments. This episode of the Half Price Concessions podcast is brought to you with support from Performance Center Racing Warehouse. In addition to being the home of the PRW chassis, Performance Center offers in-house setups and consulting, plus suspension and chassis pull-down analysis, along with their fabrication shop that can reclip your race car with the fastest turnaround in the industry. Give Roger Johnson and the Performance Center team the chance to earn your racing business by calling them today at 704-838-1400 or visit them online at performancecenter.com. That's P-E-R-F-O-R-M-A-N-C-E-N-T-E-R.com. I had started going back and listening to earlier episodes uh, just to kind of see like how the audio sounded differently and trying to figure out different, you know, better ways to do interviews and stuff. And I listened to both of the episodes we did, and I realized there was so much that I left out that I wanted to ask just for the sake of trying to keep it to 45 minutes. And I was like <laughs> kicking myself, and that's why I, I sent you a text message. And I was like, man, I got to come back over there and ask you some stories because not to make you sound old, but you you seen more things than I have at A Speedway and racing in general. So well, it, it's been a while. I mean, I, that's <laughs> one of the things. Uh, the old. Uh, I guess the memories on Facebook, they'll pop up and you'll, you'll see something you're like, wow, that was eight years ago, or that was seven yeah. years ago, or you know, that was, I guess one of them was when we first got the pace car there and I saw it and we had it all lettered up from, from Bullseye. It was like, that was yeah. a, well, another thing, we, we drove a 2019 Camaro back from Orlando, Florida. Hmm. And, and I got in the car and this is a whole nother story that you know we'll divulge later on but 
long days and been trapped at the airport and got in a 2019 Camaro and didn't know where anything was to operate the car. It was that different from the pace car. Yeah. And, and Ann was, you know, would well, you, you've had a Camaro. What? I was like, I had a 2010 Camaro. That was, that was 10 years ago, you know, and there's nothing on these cars. They don't even look the same. And it was a convertible and it was, it was a nightmare just trying to figure out how to adjust a window, the seat, the, the cruise, the radio. I mean, it was just, it's like yeah. being in a foreign country and she just assumed because it was a Camaro that I knew everything and that's like uh the guy I'm working for this year he went he said I went and test drove a, a Silverado or something and he said uh, I was riding around he said he said and I started just like sweating he's like I come to find out he said they had the seat warmer on and the steering wheel warmer <laughs> had, was on he said man my hands and my butt were sweating at the same time <laughs> butt sweat and hand sweat <laughs> cars are Cars more are crazy th- nowadays. The more things change, and they've really changed, and, and kind of like the racing deal. I mean, it's it's changed a lot from yeah from our heyday. I mean, so not that uh, not that it's still not the sport we love, but things you know as they progress, they're it's a totally different sport than what we we came to know and, and love. Well, see, like one of the things I thought about was just on late models. Like when when you when you got into racing late models. That car looked like it was built in a sh- like a like a shop, like someone's yep. shop out back. Where nowadays it's purpose built. You buy it from a chassis builder, and and hang a body on it something. And even just there in the early two thousands, as far back as I go, I was like that late model on the track. Even though it was Premier Division, it looked like you know that had somebody's hands on it. That yep. wasn't built at like a special shop. Yep. Yeah. Rick Sorrell actually. Uh, built my first body you know we we bought the car it wasn't a body kit like it is now no from from todd massey you know it was his championship car from uh 1994. they got a new townsend car and that one became expendable and that's what i started in well my first time in it go over to a speedway and and even driven a go-kart in a couple years so but we had a lot of success and a lot of the people that we outrun in go-karts were were racing at that time, and I remember um, I made laps, and D. Campbell came up, and you know D. Campbell was a good late model driver. We raced in go karts together, and I saw him coming in the mirror, and I just kind of pulled down. I was like, okay, we'll see what this thing's got. Yeah. And he went by me, and I jumped on, was going to follow him, and he went in the corner like five car lengths deeper than I've ever thought about going, and. <laughs> <laughs> Next thing you know, I'm busted up against the turn three wall and that thing's destroyed. And I was like, oh, there might be something to these cars that I don't know about yet. So yeah. we had to completely rebuild that car. And, and that's when, uh, you know, you went, and, you went and bought seven different panels and that was the body. Now it's like... Where'd you go buy them? Like at, at Stock car steel. You know, they, okay. had, it, they had, it, had it made out, whether it was a, a Trans Am or, you know, had Berettas back then, had... You know, the transition into the Monte Carlos, but you know those old Camaros and, and Firebirds back then. I mean, those were that yeah. was your late model car. You know, that was. was I always, I always remember in the nineties, it was, it it was so Chevrolet heavy. Like yeah. as, a, as a Ford person growing up, I didn't. I felt like I didn't see any Fords out there. It, it seemed like it was just easier or more convenient to. To have like a the Chevrolet well, body. Yeah, well, it was the motor of choice too, you know. And there were, uh, you know, I guess there were some brand loyalties back then. And now, you know, now you get whatever. 
yeah. whatever motor package works, you, you stick it in a, a you know, seen Mark Wirtz with a Corvette or a Cadillac, you know, that we saw on uh, some of the others where they just uh, brand the cars by, by decals and not really by body style. Yeah. So, I mean, if you were running the Chevy built motor, you better have a GM, you know, you didn't put it in a Thunderbird. Yeah. You know, so it was kind of like, uh, you know, I, I guess that's where Rodney comes in that, you know, if you know, he always ran Fords and he ran Ford bodies, you know, so it was, yeah. it was interesting to see them uh, kind of stay loyal to the brand, so to speak, as opposed to what you have now or. You it know, looks like it's just a car with some stickers on. Yeah, it. nobody. You know, there's there's not a Toyota late model motor, but there's Toyota. There's Toyotas out there Toyotas somewhere. Toyotas everywhere. You know, so it's just kind of it's kind of funny to see it that uh, you know what 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 is not off limits. You know, but there's so many engine packages now that you know you know who knows what's under the hood. Yeah, it it got me. I did a previous episode on you know old Grand National races, and there's Oldsmobiles and Buicks and. Uh, uh, the Hudson Hornet, yeah. and uh, I think it was like a GNC Nash or something like that, um, and you know the Plymouths and all that stuff. Yeah. Like it was just like you had like eight different ones that could run, and then we somehow got down to three. Yeah, yeah, which was, just pare it, pare it down, and that's the that's the car we're going to offer. I mean, I, I've always thought the Buick was one of the prettiest race cars out there. I mean, was I it the Regal? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I wasn't a I wasn't a Bobby Allison fan, but you know he had some good looking cars back in the day. So yeah, um, you know that's that's just those iconic styles. And actually, you know, my mom had an Oldsmobile Cutlass, and you know the Cutlass gained traction there for for a few years. And yeah. like, heck yeah, drive I can't them. I can't I remember know. anybody today's having a Cutlass. No, I mean it was like an Oldsmobile for some. No, not not um, they were. Do you remember anybody? I've, I've got a vision of one, but I can't. Yeah, I can't put my finger on who drove it or, or what it. You know, but it had the. Uh, it was the plastic nose, but it. You know, it. You could tell. You could tell the difference in the, in the styles. I mean, my. You know, I had a Beretta that I got from the Childress. You know, that it looked different, so it was automatically. Oh, what do, what do we got here? You know. Yeah. Good, good stuff back then, but you know now it's, you know you can't tell the difference between the late model and limited now. Just because, you really can't. You know it's it, they they put as much time and effort in, into those those machines as uh, as the top level teams, and they, you know it's just uh, I'm gonna say it's sad in a way, but you know it's not good for the sport that you've got different divisions and everything looks so much yeah. the same. It kind of you know what it kind of it reminds me a little bit of how the what used to be the bush series yeah now became like cup light yeah. where it used to be sometimes they'd run together but more times they were on their own they would go to tracks that cut wouldn't or couldn't go to and the cars just looked different yeah like it, well, it looked like know, a completely different series yeah. especially when they had that old inline six in there they they sounded different too because they know, ran inline sixes oh yeah they, them things would whine boy they, they you heard them from when we when we had the stadium and uh, that series that came there early, you know, a lot of them were the uh, six cylinders that ran at Bowman hey, Gray, man. and they just had a different, <laughs> a different sound to it. I mean, it was different than a mini stock, you know, the the bumblebee type thing. It was just, 
Yeah. I don't know what they turned those things, but they they certainly got the uh, the monies they worked out of. So, when you were a kid going to Ace, and it was dirt and stuff, I've heard so many stories from the, from the old timers and stuff about sitting in the trees and the front stretch being on the back stretch. But the the one of the main ones I wanted to ask you about was uh, Red Justice because I heard I heard you know, people your age and up always talk about how good Red was, and I've talked to Red himself, and he'll tell you how good he was. Oh, yeah, yeah. He but did. you know, I don't know that because my whole life he's been just the record driver and he's just been older so can you can you shed some light on that for a for an eager well, learner you know, red red had the persona you know he had the old uh, uh wicker style cowboy hat is that like the richard petty style yeah i mean it was the the the, the wider uh brown style i mean it wasn't really something like kenny chesney would wear yeah and it was always back on the the back part of his head so the, you know it wasn't like it was pulled down over his eyes and a real menacing thing uh red just looked like he was at a party <laughs> and we we're just going you know we're just going to jump in cars at the end of the party and 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 see who's got see who's got what it takes you know, yeah. he always had a cigar around you know tall wiry frame and he just and, and he walked with that attitude yeah like i'm the badass and you know, being a Massey, you know, last name's Allen, but my mom's a Massey. Yeah. So, from your, your from, patriarch was was Frank. Yeah. From from knowing from knowing that family, it was a no nonsense family. They were, you know, they cut up in their own way, but it wasn't it wasn't a way that they cut up to draw attention from other people. You know, when they were at the racetrack, it was business. You know, it was white t-shirts. Cigarettes rolled up, yeah, rolled up on the sleeve, <laughs> and you know, and they were there. We're here to win. We're the Justice Clan. Hey, look at us. We're here to have fun. Yeah, and I and I guess those two styles, you know, oil and water. You know, one doesn't look like they're very serious, and the other ones are serious as can be. And then they always found themselves at the front. Yeah, and you know, you see it on movies where the guys, you know, you don't, you don't pay enough, pay enough attention to your craft. You don't, you know, you don't take this serious enough. Yeah. So they automatically have a dislike for each other just in their their attitudes, their styles. And you know, and Red was, you know, he was the man. And then I thought, uh, you know, on any given night. Uh, Frank or David or Jim or Bernice or, or any of the masses, they were the man. But it was just. Was there kind of like that uneasy feeling every time, like if these two get together, it's going to be a problem? Well, it, you know, yeah, because it never, it never really got, um, it never really got handled. Yeah. You know, it was just, you know, this is probably going to end up in a fight. And, you know, into this day, I mean, I've, you know, I, I have trouble with confrontation. Yeah. I mean, usually. You get to the switch, or whatever, where it flicks over and it doesn't matter. But you know, leading up to it, it, you just get this sense of dread of I've seen I've seen this act too many times. But uh, no, I mean, you know, the, the cars resembled the man back then. You know, they had a lot more of expression of their personality. Yeah, you know, you had some that were hand lettered, and 
know, well, all of them were hand lettered. I mean, it wasn't no, wasn't no graphics, wasn't no graphics back, then. back then. You know, a guy came over there and you, you gave him a, a, a pint jar and he, he drank it till his hand stopped shaking and then he, he lettered <laughs> the car. And that was, uh, you know, that was, that was just how it was done. But then, you know, through that expression thing, you had cars that, I got a number, I got a name, and I got sponsored back here on the quarter panel. Well, the other ones would paint little cartoon characters or something, you know, different on there that, you know, just kind of an expression back in those days. You know, and you're talking 60s and 70s, so, yeah, you know, certain things called hippies running around then, and, you know, and, you know, the... A little lettuce, a little lettuce being uh, yeah, yeah, smoked. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> dawning of the age of Aquarius, you know. So it was, uh, you know, it was... It was uh, and when you talk about characters, I mean, I, you know, I've since went through that that age or whatever where, you know, you, you're a young man, college, and then you get to your 30s and you start looking at families and stuff like that, and then you turn around one day and you're 45, 50, and you're like, wait a minute, what, what's happened here? Well, time flew by. Red, in his own way, he's he's probably pushing 80. Yeah. And he still thinks he's 25, you know, and that's a, that's a good way to, to look at life that, you know, if, if, if you think you're old and you're going to act old and you're going to be old. Yeah. So if you don't get caught up in the, in the whole age thing. So, I mean, just red today is not a lot different than, than red back then. You just don't just, see him behind the wheel. He's a little older and a little slower. Yeah. And, you know, and red was always going to do things his way. It wasn't going to be a fall in line there, Mr. Justice. No. Because he's not going to fall in line. I mean, he... I'll, I'll tell you what Bill Hall told me. So, I, uh, I think when when you and I went with him to go to Junior Johnson's to eat yeah. breakfast, there was there was a time when me and him were kind of separated from everybody else. And I was just fascinated because I knew... He, he's the only guy I knew that, that my grandpa had sponsored. And I asked him about, uh, you know, a, a throwdown coming at a speedway and he said well i always knew i couldn't mess with a justice i couldn't mess with a massey and i couldn't mess with a tucker because they always brought a crowd he said i didn't have a crowd well, a lot of them family yeah, yeah. I was yeah. So it wasn't it wasn't like they had a posse i mean it was you know there was, blood there was some blood in there you know and they you know and like i said the you know and then a lot of those guys raced against each other but like i said when it uh when it came down to it you know Last names on this side, the other last names on that side, and we'll we'll, we'll figure it out somewhere in the middle. I yeah. mean, I I do know there was a lot of dirty tricks going on back then, where you know uh, weapons that didn't appear to be weapons became weapons, like you know, jack handles. Yeah, jack handles and, and, and uh, <laughs> that jack handle seems like the weapon four-way lug wrench. I mean, that's what you know, <laughs> either that or the torque wrench. <laughs> yeah, the inch and eighth wrench. I mean, I've I've seen uh, I've seen people grab those for. Not uh, tightening purposes. I guess they were for I, loosening up skulls or sides of heads. I have heard a hearsay story from Robert Turner about, I'm not going to name his name, but a certain figure that used to race at a speedway that one time got in a pinch at 311 and uh, used an axe, uh, not an axe, an axle. Axle, yeah. <laughs> and I was like, man, that's a big weapon. Yeah. That's going to that's gonna yeah, hurt somebody's it. noggin. Yeah, yeah. Especially, <laughs> especially if you make contact with it. I mean, because if, if you... Ooh. If you swing it, it, it's going to mean business whenever, whenever it connects with anything. I mean, whether it 
hits on the ground or gets up against a shin or you know heaven forbid upside somebody's head i mean yeah that, that's going to that's going to get somebody's attention you know in, in any of your skirmishes <laughs> did you ever reach for the jack handle or the axle or did you just go over there with that mouth i, I usually stayed behind somebody <laughs> <laughs> that either knew where said jack handle was or, or probably had something in in uh in their pocket that would uh would, would garner enough attention too so i um i can honestly say i've never taken the handle out of the jack yeah unless it was to to beat on the race car never never <laughs> never against somebody else's head so but uh no it's a uh, yeah i mean I, I i usually found my way to the outskirts of those things yeah just trying to find the guy that was coming in to you know uninvited i guess yeah because uh you you knew the guys that were handling business were going to take care of business yeah it's kind of like in hockey the the enforcers kind of move to the yeah, front yeah and just, the wingers are on the back yeah you just make sure you know like so you're, you're kind of the defense man you run around make sure nobody gets an open shot yeah you know if he does you check him off the boards and mm. and usually uh you know like i said with, with me i was yeah i was probably the loud one so oh you were you usually, were over there behind the big and saying yeah where yeah, y'all at yeah <laughs> Yeah, maybe maybe a few other choice words there that we definitely can't say on this show. Well, hey, it, it, it draws it out. I mean, you feel like you get, you feel like you or you, you feel like your guy gets done wrong. It's, oh, it's a know, new, yeah, it's you got to go handle that. Yeah, I mean, I uh, like I said, I you know, that was almost a, a weekly occurrence with with Rodney back when we were racing. I mean, he just he just had that way of y'all always found each other. Well, it was his style of racing and and my 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 want to be better than i was and you know when when you realize you're not quite that good or your stuff's not quite that good it it adds to the frustration especially when you got somebody else that uh they're gonna make it happen regardless yeah so it was uh you know so i had to i had to learn i didn't talk a whole lot with him it was kind of like we just we just have to get just have to get close and learn how to be quiet because if you're loud they know you're coming all right, here's, here's an Ace Speedway story I've wanted to flush out of you for a while, but I just never got around to it. I don't know what event it was, but I just remember some story where I think there was a confrontation happening, and I think you tried to go either break it up or calm it down, and you said something to the effect of, I stood up, and the other guy stood up, and he kept standing up. I yeah. always remember that phrase. What what was that from? <laughs> well, that was... Um... I was, I think it was a Bowman Gray deal. Yeah, when it came to A's. Yeah. And uh, you know, you had you had these characters, you know, and what happens at stadiums is a lot different than, than what happens over at Ace. So your your experience level wasn't quite, you know, you knew what you were getting on your on your Friday nights. So we're going to invite these guys from you know a place called the Madhouse. We're going to invite them over here. Well, then you. You don't know a whole lot of the backstories. Well, that that particular night, uh, as as I've come to realize, uh, Bowman Gray drivers they they tend not to uh, worry about who their partner could be on any given night. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> and there's a lot of choices. I seen somebody talking about pit lizards the other day. Uh, when you when you get into that arena, there's a lot of choices there. Well, it, it just so happens that one of the uh, uh, women that he was courting just happened to have a husband, 
Oh. And they raced against each other, and it was going to, you know, it had done turned into a problem in the pits as opposed to on the track. Yeah. And and all the focus was, I'm going to get this guy, and we're going to settle this right here. And I'm like, no, you're not. And you always got these, you know, like you said, you, you got your you got your crew with you. And there had been a, a couple of skirmishes. And I was looking for help. I yeah, mean, you're I, severely outnumbered. I, I didn't, I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't have anybody that, you know, short of Scott Rose, and he always handled stuff on start of the top of the spotter's tower. But the rest of them, you know, either too old to fight or just did, didn't, uh, didn't, didn't, wasn't included in their pay grade. Yeah. And uh, that that one guy I, I grabbed, he was down on the ground, and you know, and I grabbed him, was going to get him up, and like I said, you pulled him back and then he like unfolded three times and it was like you're good you're <laughs> hello you know, I, and I, I, uh, I actually hired that guy to to, to work security you know, i don't remember him he, he never, you never saw him much oh. he, he kind of worked the outskirts and he was he was a mountain of a man i mean he he had to weigh 400 450 i mean he just you know but big fella you know, and didn't have to pay him anything he said just feed me well well, hey, I'd have been, like I'd have, Mongo. <laughs> I'd have been better off paying him, you know, because it was like, wait a minute, where, where's these numbers? Well, they're too deep and all night long. <laughs> <laughs> you know, and then you start looking at the business side of it. It's like, well, you know, he does have a pretty good deal. And we tend to have things under control anyway. I mean, you know, we, <laughs> I mean, we were notorious for not having sheriff's deputies and stuff around until we had to call them in, you know. But yeah. You figured if you got one race in there that you... You, you could uh, kind of control the peace, but you know, it turns out our sheriff deputy was one of the biggest hey. <laughs> pot stirs out there. It was. So. I still remember one night on Pet Road, uh, Jeff Rich was trying to hold a intoxicated, <laughs> an intoxicated member of someone's family back. There was it was a it was a uh, it was an argument that stemmed from something that had nothing to do with the racetrack. Yeah, and I'm just I'm not going to name names. I'm going to leave out specifics, but it was something that didn't have to do nothing with racing. The argument ensues on pit road. Said individual who is, I think he was pretty well intoxicated. Uh, he's hollering. Jeff Rich is trying to hold him back. Well, before too long, uh, they end up on the ground. Yeah. You know, and, and they're, you know, Jeff's trying to get him under control. He's got drunk strength. And I remember Jason Payne come running over and I think threw his knee on his throat. And that was the loudest I ever heard. Jason Payne was like, if y'all don't quit this, yeah. I'm gonna send. I'm gonna lock both of you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it, you know, like I said, the the biggest fights we had over there weren't weren't really on the racetrack. It was about other stuff, family stuff behind the scenes. And uh, you know, Jeff got that was his initiation into uh, pit road confrontation. What, what happens on a softball field is a lot different. What happens in the pits on a racetrack? Yeah. And he, uh, I get a big old knot on his head from that night because he did, he, man. I felt bad for him. He tried to grab that guy, and he lost his balance. Ended up suplexing himself. Or yeah, he got got a reverse suplex on him or something. But like that that he had hit the dang ground, and I I, I remember that like I think watermelon busted. Yeah. It was it was on. But yeah, I mean, there's been uh, numerous things, and like I said, I, I try to block a lot of that stuff out just so you don't yeah you know worried enough about it then they just you know, now when you look back in hindsight you, you kind of pick the pick the things out that that brought you joy as opposed to what brought you yeah you know knots in your stomach at late at night but you know 
I tell you what, we never had a uh, we never had a pepper spray. I don't know if you remember. This was some years ago. Uh, they were running. I think it was modified as a new Smyrna, and uh, Keith Rocco got into it with Ron Silk, and I think I think Silk kind of got the last laugh because he got the win. And Rocco pulled up in victory lane, and uh, you know they were kind of going at it on the front stretch. And Keith Rocco's car owner got in the car and started like making pace laps. Uh, oh no! Under you know after everything was over, and the cop there's a great shot. Someone got a photo of it. The cop was pepper spraying the car owner while he was riding around. <laughs> so we never had one that bad. Yeah, that that probably wouldn't work <laughs> out too good. You get pepper sprayed in behind a wheel. I mean, that, something's probably gonna get tore up. I mean. Yeah, you know a lot of our stuff. You know, it, it. I mean, yeah, we we had some. We had to pull in reinforcements, and yeah. and they always responded in mass too. I mean, it wasn't like you couldn't. You know, you didn't have a personal deputy. There was like nine of them just waiting to waiting to jump because I, you know, yeah. and I guess that was part of you know Jason Payne racing there too. That you know they were, you know. They got to listen to our races on the on the radio. Yeah, I forgot we were on the radio. Yeah, so uh, you know that was always. You remember those negotiations back in the day where you know. They, well, I didn't think anyone could hear it because it was <laughs> the radio station had such a weak signal when the sun went down that like you couldn't get it at the racetrack. Uh, I know. I, I would try to get it on the boombox. I'm like, yes, it's all staticky. Yeah. You got to be. Within five miles of Zach's hot dogs, or yeah, you, you had to be you had to be downtown Burlington. Or you went out Pleasant <laughs> Grove, or you, you heard the announcer from the racetrack there, and you heard BAG. So, yeah. but yeah, I mean that. Uh, you know, I, I think a lot of that stuff's. You see what they're doing today, where they just bring in a whole production unit. I mean, you, you know. I had a phone. I had. You, I had yeah, a you, old. You know what you're working with now, as opposed to what you was working with then, and then, uh, yeah. then heaven forbid, somebody cut one of the lines, and you're trying to figure out. Oh, what phone line works where? <laughs> Man, that was boy. I, I had I had many a stressful time trying to trying to dodge bullets yeah. on what phone line yeah. got cut to yeah. the tower. Yeah. Don't let it don't let it rain this week because oh. we found that short in the line somewhere. Oh. We don't have radio. I'm like that's fine. We'll we'll be fine. Yeah. Well, I got it. I'm like, yeah. We'll worry you had about to call me down. <laughs> we'll worry about Joe next week. You know. <laughs> mm. I still remember, uh, I'll never forget when you made me sing a national anthem. But you sung it with me. But I still remember, that was kind of like a moment where I had to like, oh, I learned something new about Brad Allen. Brad Allen doesn't like recorded national anthems. Just, <laughs> it was one of those things that hit me. I mean, I guess it was, the, I mean, if you remember our very first night. Forgot we, to hang the flag We forgot up. to put the flag up. I didn't even remember. We had so much going on. I, I didn't even notice yeah, it until I, it was it was after the it was after the fact that you know I was walking around and the, and the guy was like um, one of the one of the one of the fans there was a veteran and he he let me have it. Yeah. And you know and you got no there's no response to that. It's just you know you you got to eat it. Yeah. And then you know that was uh, I guess that was hey. There's people here watching what you're doing, so you better you better be on your p's and q's, and you better you know do it in a way that they want to come back. And you know, I, I made sure that guy was taken care of, and I said it'll never happen again. And, and you know, and then part of that was you know I'd been to enough racetracks where they they just put on the the the, the standard 
you know, the Whitney Houston whether it's recording. instrumental or or somebody else singing it, and it was like, you know what? There's there's people, you know, because you you see them everywhere. They they they're singing along with it. Yeah, and it's like you know, let's we can find an alternative to a, a recording. recording piece. Yeah. And if we didn't have anybody, that's where you and I stepped in, and it, you know, it, it became almost a badge of honor that, yeah, you know, hey, it might not be the best you've heard, but we're going to give you our best efforts, and we're not going to we're not going to go Carl Lewis and and screw the words <laughs> up or or try to was hit he, all the high notes. And was he the one that like stopped in the middle of the song and went, uh oh? Oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> He tried to do the free, and the voice cracked on me. Uh oh! And then, yeah. you know, or you get uh, Roseanne Barr, you know, oh, doing God, you know, it's terrible. You know, it's just it, things like that. You know, at those moments, and that was uh, that was always my favorite part of the night was, you know, knowing that when we get done yeah. with this, there's nothing else scripted. Yeah, you know the the times the time stop mattering. I mean, to a certain extent, you know, whether you got rain coming or somebody just can't get a race done, you know. Yeah. That you're kind of okay, guys. It's it's your turn. You know, yeah. Here's our part of the show's done. It's it's time for your show. Yeah. And we were lucky enough that we had, you know, we had enough characters there. I mean, you, yeah, you knew, you knew with the people that were coming into that pit, <laughs> something, something was going to happen. I mean, we, you know, we we talked about uh, Michael Neal. Oh yeah, we got to hash that story out. Somebody brought his name up the other day, and uh, you know, I was like, you know, there was. <laughs> There were certain people you had to like keep an eye on. Well, you, you didn't know you, if it was going to just combust. You just knew if something went. Something went against them that it was going to it was going to be all you could do to keep it under control. Yeah, you're you know, trying to handle fire with your bare hands. You know, and we we saw it that night. I mean, you know, uh, I guess he hit Barry Wilson wide open. Yeah, while championship we were, night. While we were lining up the cars, oh, that they, was they ran night. they ran twins that night, and he had to he had to do something in the first race to be in position to win the second race, and he. He finished like nine. I he think got, he had a tire going he got, down. He got caught up in a wreck. Yeah. He uh, he, he run off the, the bottom, coming off a of two there, and it knocked the dang tire off the rim. All he had to do was finish top five both, and he was winning all the races anyway. So it was, you know, and I remember telling him, hey, know what you got to do. Just do what you, you know. And yeah. he felt like somebody, well, they run me down in the guardrail. I'm like, you're running fourth. Why have you, why have you got to finish third if you – got to do top five can't you do numbers well he's gonna get it he's gonna get it and i was like i'm telling you what you do anything outside of normal race activities tonight to go into jail yeah you know you just you You'd already had, had a few you almost had to yeah. had to be like that you know to get his attention or whatever and like i said we were we were lining up cars on the back stretch and see i didn't see it i was i was on the front stretch doing interviews and I see this commotion starting, and I'm I'm completely oblivious. Yeah, yeah, of course. I'm you're in the down, moment interview. I'm against, like, what in God's name's happening yeah, back there? Yeah, he he, he hit the, or the the access road coming off of uh, pit road there, where he spills you onto the back stretch. He had a beeline, and like I said, Barry's car was there on the dang front road. He just he just destroyed both cars, and it was like, why? I mean, it's a days of thunder thing. Yeah, you know, put me two <laughs> tires on. Yeah, change wow, my the race tires. Change my tires. I'm, you know, I got. Uh, what's what's my boy Ross Ross that Wheeler going? Ross to, Wheeler. Uh oh, yeah. 
But yeah, I mean, you know, uh, what, what was worse, that one or the pace car incident where where Michael came out of the pits and hit the pace that car? That well, I because Red Justice was driving the pace. Well, car there, there's like, another Red no doing red, red doing Red things. I mean, you know, you had uh, you know brand new Camaro there, and Red's if he was sitting behind the wheel, you know, he'd respond when he felt like it was time for him to respond, as opposed to hey, I need pace car now yeah well you know red was always a ladies man so either had one two three four in there at any <laughs> given time you know and he's entertaining them and, and not doing his stuff and you know i mean it's like red i love you man but gosh you know just yeah do my drive a pace car and you know and, and yeah. you can even take it out on a date later on don't don't, don't do it all now and that particular night, the extremes, we had to park them in the turn one pit. Yeah. So they had to come out, and it was like you kind of had to know, okay, when I get to where the pit ends and the track begins, I need to stop and look because it's a blind yeah. corner. Well, well Michael yeah. Neal didn't feel like taking a look. Well, he had uh, he had been in an incident, and that was uh, that was one of the Madhouse races too, I, I think. I think it was the Labor Day race. It was a Labor Day race, yep. And it was a huge crowd there. You know, we, you know, you, you know what they came to see, but you know, our extreme division back then was must oh, see. Were, it, it was, was must see TV. I mean, it was, uh, you know, I think had, uh, obviously had Michael Neal, had Barry, had Keith Brain, you had uh, Ben Walker. Yeah, Ben, and then uh, you had the guys from out of town that were coming in and, and bringing their souped up stuff. And it was, you know, it was like uh, you guys are not, you can't do these things with these cars. You're not, not supposed built for this. To, you're not supposed to be anyway. But anyway, something happened to Michael. And then when everything, when anything happened to him, it was Armageddon. Red alert. You know, oh my gosh, you know, get, get your eyes on this guy. <laughs> so, you know, we got the gate open. He shot off into the pits and I'm up there looking and still looking back there at clean up. And I was like, hey, hey, when you get ready, I'm going to send you. Yeah. You know, so I don't have to deal with this afterwards. I'm gonna yeah. get you back on the track and you can you can figure this out. Well, pace car is going out of backstretch. And I remember going on the radio, Red, hold the cars in turn four. Just stop in turn four. It didn't stop. Well, then my back is turned because I'm opening the gate and I'm looking out towards the road where, the, where they're parked and I'm, yeah. come on, come on, come on. Well. Come on means you go as fast as you can in first or second gear to a 90 degree turn. In a blind corner. In a blind corner. And you get out, you know, that in, in his mind, you know, because I'm going to lose a lap when our caution laps don't, don't count. count. So it was, you know, it was. You're just, at the tail regardless. Yeah, you're, you know, you're not going to pick anything up. So I don't know, you know, and he'd come by me and I, and I remember kind of brushing up against the gate. Then I turned to grab the gate and I hear, Ka-doom! Well, that happened about the same time that the 6,000 people we had there go, oh, <laughs> you know, so it kind of it muffled the sound of the hit. Oh, Because yeah. they, they saw it coming before it hit. Yeah. And so the, the crowd went, oh. Yeah. And my, <laughs> <laughs> the, the feeling was like, oh, no. And I you know, and you gotta, you've got to physically walk out there. And Red had brought the dang field around, and the first thing he hit was the right front of that pace car. Uh, I just remember, I think I had dipped in the tower. I had dipped my head, I think, to read a sponsor read or look at a rundown or something. 
and I look up, I hear the sound, I look up, pace car stop, Red gets out of the pace car, kind of like uh, the Daytona 500 where Sterling Marlin pulled on his fender. Yeah. So I see Red get out, I see I see you and Johnny Wynn Jr. down there, and then I think I saw Michael unstrapped from the car. Oh, yeah. And I was just like, nothing good is coming. Yeah, I was, I was infuriated with Red <laughs> because he didn't stop the thing. And then... Equally, when Michael Neal gets out and wants to start, look at what you did to my race car. And it was like, <laughs> no, you, you know, it it, yeah. it, it, it it just flipped right then. I became not a promoter, but, you know, you're, you're, you're not a very smart person, I guess, was, in this moment, was yeah. what I was trying to, to tell him in no uncertain terms. And it, uh, like I said, you know, then his dad, you know, it was – yeah. Obviously, my fault that they ran into the pace car, and that was turning turn into a Brad bash. Yeah, the furthest thing <laughs> from from what I thought was what happened or what went wrong was because you know you didn't dealt with them all that time, and and that was kind of the icing on the cake. And it was yeah. uh, you know well, let's just settle this the old fashioned way, you know. Yeah. It's, 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 you know, but then. <laughs> You're reminded that six thousand people are looking, yeah, to see what's getting ready to happen. And you're like, oh, I can't do that here. So it was, you know, yeah. just had to just had to walk away and let the other guys handle it. So it was, you know, it was like six thousand dollars damage to the pace car. And mm. He just carries his car back over to Massey's and they straightened it back up and oh, and he, back he, to Massey's. And, and he racing again. Yeah, yeah. I was, happened to sit in there with a. Uh, oh, that that's what it was. I was. Got to get my truck fixed from my accident on on track at South Boston, and uh, Mike had one of those uh, had a truck on the uh, front end of line machine. Okay. And the back of it was squatted down, and I was like, "Please tell me that this is not the origin of why these trucks are squatted." And Mike's like, "They just kind of shrugs." Three hundred fifty dollars is three hundred fifty dollars. Yeah, and business. I was like, I said, just like the guy that turned my extreme division into a late model stock class. Yeah, because everybody thanked Massey's. Oh, yeah. I remember a bunch of people was like, well, man, he, Massey's alignment. I was like, man, Massey's getting some work well, he's out going of this four-cylinder division. He's putting lead in it and caster camber <laughs> and how the thing, you know. And I, I guess if we'd have, they had to figure it out when they run the, the opposite way, too. Yeah. You know, but that's, uh, that's all that. Todd and Mike did back then was, you know, you got yeah. dad with a frame machine. They can go out and tear up anything they wanted to, come in and straighten it back up. And then they figured out, well, if we move the right front just ahead a little bit and move this back oh. a little bit, now we got something that'll, that we, <laughs> we can race anywhere we want to. So they, that was. Your own family. Yeah. So I, I've always, uh, I've always accused him of, of making the, uh, well, you drove one of them, uh, well, Our yeah. own Robert Turner. I don't know if got, I drove it. I don't know if got, I drove it. Harold's, I held the steering wheel. Got Harold's. Uh, what, what was that? Uh, that was Harold Jefferson's Ford Escort. It was an Escort. Yeah. Yeah. He told me not to take it out of second gear. Yeah. It's supposed to be making 90 horsepower or something like that. Oh, Our own Robert well, Turner done beefed it up <laughs> with it a, up. with another blueprint thing, and you know, going to put. Put my wet behind the ears announcer behind it. Uh, <laughs> I have, man, that was so much fun. All right, here's, was, here's, uh, go, ahead, go ahead. Well, it was fun for you because. Were you nervous? Heck yeah, I was nervous. I, you know, you know what they I'd told me. I kind of facilitated said, the deal that oh, Tyler's a good kid. He ain't going to do anything to 
to jeopardize your car because, I mean, Harold was worried. As he like, should have been. And I was like, you know, and I'm going to be up. I said, I'm going to have to announce it. So I'll be up there watching and I'll just make sure that, you know, if he can't do it, I'm going to send him off the track. Yeah. Well, according to script, you just got out there and just kind of rode around. And a man ain't getting lapped. He's on a straightaway by himself and they're racing on the other straightaway. So he's good. They told me at the driver's meet after the race. You know, they all they all came up to me, and I think they were just glad I got that experience. Yeah. And they all came up to me, and to a T, they all said, at the driver's meeting, Brad Allen basically made us sign in blood that we would not touch the 55 car. <laughs> and I was like, oh, man, dang. Well, you know, and, and I was hoping that, you know, your lack of experience or, or maybe, uh, <laughs> maybe being just a little bit more respectful of, uh, one, I haven't driven a... a a car in competition per se and the other being this is not my car that i could count on you to you know just get the experience well no well it was your fault i took the outside and the restart cone it's your you you want to hear i'm gonna tell you my side real quick so (laughs) because i I let us take the cone is that when we started doing the cone there so here's what happened (laughs) so so i did not have a radio i had a scanner so I could only hear, and Ross Baxter was spotting for me. And uh, he's standing up there, I guess, close enough to the tower where he could see you. So uh, I think first caution comes <laughs> First caution comes out, I think. I think it was Larry Isley or somebody. And uh, he said, cone is good out, choice, cone is good out. Good choice, good choice. Yeah. And uh, I said, you know, oh, no, first one, stay to the inside and play safe. So, okay. We restart. We go, 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 and have another caution. Well, uh, we get, we get, uh, we, we coming around. He said, all right, cone's going to be out next time. Bye. And I'm like, okay. And I'm kind of halfway thinking now I'm getting comfortable. I'm yeah. getting a little cocky. And I said, uh, yeah, I'll think about it. Ross comes back across on the, on the radio, on the back straight. And he said, I just want to let you know that Brad Allen said something about, uh, you're probably not man enough to go to the outside. And that was the well, little bit a, of gas. That was a bona fide lie what that was. <laughs> so I went to the outside and he said, uh, Brad just looked at me with a glare. So what's your side? Tell your side. Mine, if I can re- recollect, it wasn't, I, I was not questioning your manhood, but I was, you know, kind of giving a rundown. I mean, I, you know, like I said, we, we kind of switched positions there. You know, I, I was always in the car and you got announcers, you know, calling the stuff, but then, you know, we, we got kind of used to the microphone stuff, and I was like, you know, I ain't, I ain't scared. Yeah. I ain't scared to do this. Yeah. I, it'd be fun. I mean, I, I called my Hot Wheels races all the time in the floor. Yeah. So How hard like, could it be? You know, now I know all these people, and I got I got one of my my employees out there. So I'm going to embellish here, and I was kind of going down the rundown of you know who you know look for look for this to happen. You know, coming to the cone, and I, I got hear, back I hear there. you, Bob Jenkins. Yeah. <laughs> and I and I got back there to you, and I was like. And he better not take it. You know? Oh. And that became Ross's way of saying, oh, you're not man enough to take it. And then when you did take it, it was like, oh, what are we doing here? Did, what, you, what, did, you, did you actively look over at Ross? Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah we, we, you know, because you know, at, at the time, his, some of the spotters were standing up there next to the uh, scoring tower. Yeah, that TV on stand. The, on, that, on that top row there. And it was like, you better, you better be on. You better be telling him, get out of the way. And they swarmed you like a dang 
They did, but it was fun. Bees. Oh yeah. Well, in, in the moment, it was a little stressful, but I was like, man, I was, I was so. I think I forgot to breathe. Yeah. It was just like that. Uh, <laughs> the race Ann and I did, uh, where we had the celebrities in there. Yeah. And we we ran to halfway and had to jump out and change two tires with a four-way lug wrench and yeah. and then switch drivers and. Brandon Schroll went down on pit road to pit announce that. Yeah. I was like, man, this is. And then we had some great. radio personalities. And then somebody comes up with the bright idea that, you know, our, the, the couple of cars we had, that was part of the Zebra, the bull. Yeah, the rodeo. The rodeo thing. We, we kind of did that as part of the intermission for the rodeo thing. Yeah. To, to show them that, hey, this is actually a racetrack and not a, a rodeo ring. And we had the radio people there and a couple of cowboys were driving one of them. And we were all at the back. Yeah. Because the cars weren't any good. They was something they brought out of a field. And they decided at the halfway to invert the entire field, and that put us. Oh, what that, a terrible they, idea! That put us on the front. So you I had think those radio people, like they were, they were the slowest. Oh, they were, they were terrible. And I was like, and I, oh, and here I, comes a wreck. And I'm, and I'm lined up in front row, and you, all you could see is all of them behind, you know, because they knew I was in the car by then, and it was like, oh yeah, it's time to go get him. Yeah. And then I'm like, I got people over here. Y'all just calm down. And it was, <laughs> I mean, it was, it was. <laughs> At least five wide coming off turn two, and we were right in the middle because they were oh, trying did you, to. Did you back out of it? I, you couldn't back out of it. It wouldn't go nowhere anyway. <laughs> so it looked like I backed out of it, but it was. It was <laughs> I was getting all I could get. <laughs> oh lord! But no, that was uh, a. That was that was uh, like I said. Those that, that whole division was rife for stories, you know, or or yeah. shenanigans on the track, and that was. Uh, yeah. you know, I mean, we had. We had you know you had characters in every division, but you know that one was always you know, we're we're going to make a name for ourselves, and this is how we're going to do it. And yeah. just couldn't couldn't get it through their point that you know hey you're you're racing in a car that was designed to, to take to, you to take to you go home. to work and drop the kids <laughs> off at school. All right, here's here's what I'm going to ask you. All right, I've always wanted to ask you this, and I know we're a little short on time, but so you're of the Massey bloodline. Yep. And you and Robert Turner, awesome friends and stuff. Two of the best to ever drive a late model anywhere, much less a speedway, Robert Turner and Todd Massey. Yep. Did you ever, did they ever have a run in or something where you were like emotionally torn or like, did they do a pretty good job of not like wrecking each other or spinning each other out? Did they, did they ever, ever come up? Cause I don't ever remember them well, they're, wrecking, they're, but they were always close. Yeah. I mean, they were, uh, you know, say Robert and Todd were, you know, high school buddies. I mean, they, you know, that was how I got to really reacquaint myself with Todd was through Robert because, you know, Todd had kind of got into the dirt scene and I was playing softball and stuff like that. And, you know, we kind of went apart, and then we, when we came back together, you know, now Robert's having success over at Ace, and my co my cousin's Todd is Todd. my cousin's a top top dog, you know, and, and you know Todd was getting offers for trucks and you know a bush ride here and there, and you know, and then you know Robert was the the quiet, just business like go to work type guy, so Todd didn't need my help. No, no, but my buddy Robert did because he was struggling with his own business, you know, trying to run his own shop, and you know, would go over and help him, and that's kind of where, 
you know, we kind of got back to our old go-kart days that, uh, you know, you'd go over to the shop and do your stuff and then, you know, go, go get something to eat, you know, just kind of rekindled that bond. Well, it wasn't really Todd and Robert, but at one time uh, when Bailey's were throwing around a lot of their money and stuff like that, now you bring in Frank Denny Jr. Yep. So Todd and Frank were quasi teammates. Yeah, the cars or, were both purple. Yeah, so it was the three and the four. And Robert's coming off, you know, one of his championships. And, you know, my dad had uh, built him a couple of motors and Robert was having success with it. So it's kind of like, hey, you know, it's my, my dad's motor and my buddy's car and, you know, going, cool. against, going against these outsiders. Him and, him and Todd always had a respectful relationship. I, I mean, they, they probably got mad at each other a couple of times, you know, because yeah, I mean, Todd, Todd's going to get mad at somebody. And Robert, you know, when he got mad, he got quiet. But Frank Denny just had a way of really, <laughs> really getting under his skin. And then, under like Todd's say, skin or under Robert's skin? Under Both Robert's. Under Robert's, okay. And if he got under Robert's skin, then he's definitely going to get under mine. Yeah. Well, I had gotten there late, couldn't get in. Or didn't, I guess I didn't want to go in. I was going to sit on the back stretch, have a good time. Well, they got to, they got to racing, and then you could tell that there was shenanigans going on, whether it was points or anything like that. But there, Frank Denny was there not to let Robert win. Yeah, he's running blocker. And make sure you know, Todd got what he needed to get that night. And uh, I can't remember exactly how it unfolded, but. I ended up on top of the fence at the back stretch with the fence stuck in my arm. Yeah. From from me trying to you know, show him. Tell me was number one. How many fingers I had on each hand. <laughs> and they, they actually had to come. I couldn't. I couldn't. I couldn't get my arm off of the fence because yeah. it was stuck up in my bicep, and they had to actually come take me off of the fence as opposed to take the fence off of me. I mean, it was just. Did you, did you shout some words of affirmation at him? Oh yeah. It was, uh, <laughs> I mean, you know, it, it, it turned into a kind of a spectacle because everybody on the tracks now trying to figure out what's going on up here. And it turns out it was me trying to encourage, uh, Frank Denny to do some, some actions that Frank Denny probably didn't want to do. <laughs> yeah. Question. <laughs> you might've questioned his ancestry yeah, from yeah, the top yeah, of the fence. Yeah. Yeah. Could have. Could have joined uh, some some uh, some. Could have made the family tree pretty straight if he'd have followed the yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but no, it was uh, like I said. Those were those were the days that you know I hadn't I'd I'd raced it and then got out and then it was like you know I really need to channel my aggressions back behind the wheel as opposed yeah. to being. Being uh, a fan, being either the the loud pit crew guy or the or the guy on the back stretch that everybody's you know. Well, like, we'll hey, go, look at that redneck! We'll, we'll, we'll go to the race <laughs> and watch. You know, I mean, my buddy Wicker is a prime example of it. You know, you got more people there to watch what he does as opposed to what what happens on the track, and he's he's a huge Todd Massey fan too. So. Uh. Well, I appreciate the time, brother. I'm glad we found some stuff to talk about that we could keep family rated. Because a lot of these stories we can't tell because they're not well, family yeah, related. Yeah, some of those get after hours and you don't want to get. No, nah, you need a few. Uh, you got pretty late there a few nights. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, 
Well, not, not that really. we ran over. It was just no, pretty just late. <laughs> thank Ryan Gray for a lot of those. Yeah, but, uh, we had our we had our favorites. Yeah. Appreciate it as always, brother. Yes, sir, buddy. Anytime. Thank you for listening to yet another edition of the Half Price Concessions Podcast. Do us a favor. Whichever podcast app you're listening to this on, if there's a section to leave a rating and review, please do so. It would really help us out a ton. Also, you can follow us on Twitter at HPC Podcast. Be sure to like our Facebook page by searching for the Half Price Concessions Podcast. If you got family or friends that want to listen but don't have a podcast app, you can go to our website to listen to any and all of our episodes at www dot anchor dot fm slash hpc podcast also if you want to email the show you can do so by emailing half priced concessions podcast at gmail.com we would love to hear any and all feedback that you have thank you for listening my name is tyler williams and i hope that you have a great day <laughs>